powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please, everyone, sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you today by the fine folks at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Derek Duvall Show. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a massive thank you to my last guest, Adeline Gray. That was a great guest and a fantastic episode. If you have not heard our very in-depth interview, I strongly advise you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. So welcome to episode 231, and we have a very special episode lined up for you today. We have on the show June Edward. Now, June is a world-renowned psychic medium. June will be discussing her mediumship, how she communicates with the great beyond, her 100% success rate in bringing souls from the other side, energy in its forms, and so much more. Lots to get into, so let's get June out here. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show, calling in today from Derby, Kansas, June Edward. June, hello. Welcome to Derek of All Show. How is the weather out by you today? Actually, it's not too bad. It was 50 degrees here I'm in Kansas, and it was actually 60 back home in Florida, so not too far apart. So with the pandemic now winding down, how was it for you to navigate the COVID-19 world? It was frustrating, very frustrating. I knew from the get-go that it was not a real pandemic and an agenda, so I actually went to Florida, where it was the free world. And I stayed there for about four months. And I was living in Massachusetts, which was still pretty uh, pretty crazy. So I packed my bags and moved to Florida. Hmm. Fair enough. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? So I was born in Massachusetts. And... It was different. I had a very different childhood than most people, I think. I'm one of eight children and didn't know I had, didn't know I was a psychic or a medium at the time, but I had a lot of ability. And my dad kidnapped the youngest five of us when I was about 10. And we moved to still in Massachusetts, but right near the Rhode Island border. So I have a little bit of a mongrel accent <laughs> and uh, finished my schooling down there. Hmm. What were your earliest career aspirations? Oh, I wanted to be an actress. <laughs> like every little girl, I think, wanted to be an actress. Right. I wanted you to start to discover that you did have and realize that you had these psychic abilities. I was very young. <laughs> My youngest memory, I think, was about the age of three. I remember waking up in the morning and hearing someone call my voice and thinking it was my parents. 
got out of bed, went to check, and they're fast asleep. So I went back into my bed and then noticed that there were faces around my room looking at me, which scared the heck out of me. So I pulled the covers up over my face. And as the sun started to come up, I started to see the shadows of them like getting right into my face. It was a very scary, scary thing. And it continued. Um, we actually had people that had died in what we used to call the jealousy porch. It was an older home and it was pretty big actually. And it had like an extra apartment almost on one of the garages that was off of the house. And the people that used to live there, I guess, one of them or both of them passed away outside in that area. I don't remember how many. Um, but I would see things and hear things, and it was pretty scary as a child. Hmm. Talk about your near-death experience at the age of 27. What about that experience was a turning point in your life? So the only – so let me tell you what happened first. Um, I was 22 right after I got married, and I injured my back. And I put my surgery off for five years because I just knew that I was going to die. And literally, that's your soul when you get that knowing. And sure enough, the night before my surgery, I had an MRI with a contrast dye. And I told them that I thought I was allergic to it. I'd had it before, and I had a very bad reaction to it. I couldn't get off the table for hours. And they just brushed it off and told me it was a normal reaction. And I had no idea since I'm not the doctor. I was just the patient. And sure enough, as soon as they administered the dye, I literally died. And I had never even heard of an NDE or a near-death experience until a few years ago. I always, I always said I died because I did. And I went to what I now know is the lowest level of heaven, the fifth dimension. And I was given a full life review, which I've since also learned that less than 10% of the people that have an NDE get to the level that I got to and have a full life review. And that's literally like sitting in the front row of an IMAX theater and you're watching all the things go by in your life. And for me, everybody's, I guess, says it's a little bit different for each person. But for me, it was all the good times in my life and the people that brought me joy and the happy occasions. And then I heard someone behind me say that it's not really my time. I can stay if I want to or I could go back. It was my choice. And I then remembered that I had two children and they were the biggest, one of the biggest reasons that I came here this time and that they brought me a lot of joy and I was needed here for them. And at the time I hadn't had my third child. And as soon as I decided I was going to come back, I was back in my body immediately. And I could see everything that was happening. You know, I could see what they were doing to me. I could see everything that was happening, you know, in the hallway and the other rooms and hear everything. It was really weird. And it was very overwhelming, to be honest. I really couldn't talk about it for years without just totally breaking down and crying because it was so emotional. And what I learned are the two things that we take with us are our knowledge and our emotions, all of our emotions. I was experiencing an overwhelming feeling of love, but I've since brought through many people from the other side who are still in anger, sadness, all kinds of different emotions. So you take all your emotions with you. Hmm. And as, as far as it being a turning point in my life, 
quite honestly, you would think at that point, my abilities would have opened up like crazy, but everything happens in life when it's supposed to. And that just was not the time yet. I still had a lot of fear around my abilities and I still had certain things that I had to go through and learn so that I can help the people that I help now. So the turning point that it did have on me, however, was, you know, I was always a very spiritual person and I always knew that there was a higher power. And there is only one, no matter what you want to call it, Allah, Buddha, God, Krishna, source energy, whatever you want to call it, there's only one. And I never believed in saints or angels or any of that stuff. And I can tell you they are all very, very real. I bring them through on a regular basis. I converse with them. Um, it made me, you know, I was one of those people that if I couldn't see it, feel it, touch it, it can't really be real. Right. And our belief system is based on what we've been taught and what we've experienced. And once you've experienced something so profound, there's no denying it. There's no going back. Hmm. At what point in your journey did you fine tune your gift and decide to use it as a full-time career to help people? So that was probably about um, 10 years ago, my gifts opened back up again. And <clears throat> I trained for about a year and a half, trying to understand my abilities and learn who I was talking to on the other side and how to turn it on and off. Because you can't be on all the time or you'll just go crazy. You have to be able to turn it on and off. So. After I had been training for about a year and a half, I was doing readings like most people start out doing. And it was the second year that I was at, I think it was an Elks Club or a VFW in Newport, Rhode Island. And there was a woman that came to see me. It was a very long line of people because it was my second year. And I guess word got out that I was pretty accurate. And I was doing readings every 15 minutes from nine o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night without a break. And I was exhausted. So this little old lady in her eighties is sitting there with her daughter and she says, oh, um, are you done for the night? And I said, oh yeah, I'm exhausted. She goes, well, can you do one more? My mom's been sitting here for about an hour and a half waiting for you. I'm like, sure, come on over. And the first thing I would ask is if they want a reading or if they're looking for a mediumship from the other side. And she just jumped out. I want to talk to my son. I'm like, OK, um, you know, do you want to talk to your dad first? Because I'm pretty sure that's who's been standing over at you next to you for the last, you know, couple hours. She goes, oh, OK. So I asked her if he had a car that used to crank up. And she's like, I have no idea. And all I can do is give what I get. So then I asked if he had some occasion to be wearing a full tuxedo with a top hat and a short little cane. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's my dad. OK. I said, and your mom's on the other side with him as well. I, um, this has got to be your mom that just walked up because she put her arm around him and her. And that tells me that they were in love when they were here. She goes, oh, yeah, they were quite the couple. I said, well, she's wearing a ball gown and a crown. She goes, oh, yeah, that's my parents. She goes, I have that picture hanging over my fireplace. I'm like, wow. And then but she said, I still want to talk to my, my, my son. I said, OK, call him again. Then I described the next person that showed up. And she's like, no, that's my brother. I said, OK, do you want to know who murdered him? She's like, no, we think we got him. We think they got the right guy. OK, so again, I want to talk to my son. 
and he wasn't coming up. So I literally asked her brother if he could find him in the crowd because when someone wants to come talk to somebody from the other side, there's a huge crowd of people from the other side that want to talk to you. So I literally saw him go up and grab someone by the arm and pull him up. And he stood in front of me with his head down. And that's an indication to me that he feels that he let someone down, he's remorseful, or he committed suicide. And I'm hearing suicide. So I asked her, I said, you think he committed suicide? And she's like, yes, I think I caused him to commit suicide. And then his head bounced up and he said, no, I did not commit suicide. It was an accident. And then the sister, the daughter came over because she was trying to give her mom some privacy and says, I knew it. She goes, I knew he didn't hurt himself. He was had a new girlfriend. He was doing really well. He had the lights on in his apartment. He was cooking dinner. So I asked him what happened. And um, he said he had been on medication and they changed his medication. And his mother confirmed that. And then he said that he had been watching. Um, I'm getting that there's something with his head, but it's not a hanging. And all of a sudden he showed me that he was beheaded. And I'm like, oh my God. So he's showing me that he was watching TV and they were juggling a chainsaw and he went down to the barn to try it himself. And the chainsaw slipped and he better beheaded himself. Mother confirmed. So I was able to bridge between the two of them and get them to talk. And she understood that she did not cause him to commit suicide. She had thought her whole life that she caused him to do it. And he didn't commit suicide. It was an accident. So I asked her when I was all done why she didn't come to see someone like me years ago, because it had been almost 40 years. And her life would have been very different. She was very frail and very old, maybe in 45 years. And she said she'd gone to see every medium she could find for the last 40 or 45 years. And I was the first person to ever bring her son through. That was the deciding factor for me that no matter what anybody thinks or says, it doesn't matter to me. I, if I could have saved, if I could have done this for this woman 40 or 45 years earlier, her life would have been so much different. And being able to bring them both peace, him peace on that side and her peace on this side, I knew this is what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. Powerful story. Yeah. For our listeners who might not be familiar can you explain what psychic medi mediumship is and how it differs from other psychic abilities? Sure. So everyone has psychic abilities and everyone has mediumship abilities as well. The so psychic ability is that knowing. It's that little voice that says, oh, I better not drive this way this morning and you avoid an accident. Or I shouldn't stop and get coffee this morning and maybe you just avoided you know, a robbery or something. That's that inner voice, that intuition. That's just your psychic ability. Mediumship is literally talking to souls that are on the other side, whether it's a lower vibrational entity, which is a ghost, or whether it's a soul that's gone into the light and comes back to talk with you. Um, that's what a medium does. And it's like playing a piano. Some people sit down and all they can do is play chopsticks. Some people sit down and really want to apply themselves and learn a couple of songs. Other people really want to train and really want to learn and they become concert pianists. And then I'm like the six-year-old child prodigy that sits down and plays Mozart. I just have a lot of a lot of ability. So basically, there is life after death. And if so, what form does that look like? 
Well, I like to call it life after life because we really are not the suit that sits here. We are the energetic soul that's inside. And that doesn't die. That lives on and on and on. I don't know how you would ever destroy that if you could. I don't think you can because it's pure energy. You can't destroy energy. You can only change it or create it. So we're infant, we're, you know, we're here forever at this point. Just your body changes. So when you're on the other side, you don't have a body. And your vibration is how high the energetic vibration is of your soul. Some people's so well, as we're stuck in this body in 3D, our souls are lower vibrational for the most part. They'll range in, in hertz, megahertz. <clears throat> but for the most part, it's a lower vibration. If you think of quantum physics and the speed of light, the speed of light is 300 million miles per second. That's quite the high vibration. And when I died, my soul went into that light at that speed. And when I decided to stay, my soul came back into my body at that same speed. So my vibration is automatically much higher than most people's, but everyone can raise the vibration. We're like magnets and you're attracting or repelling at any given time. And you're attracting what's on the exact same frequency as you, just like a radio station. You can't get the station in unless you're on the right frequency. And that's what we, we do. We attract other people into our life that are on that same frequency. This is a question that I, I have to ask. Are ghosts real? Absolutely. It's just a soul without a body. Hmm. Fair enough. But it's a low of it's a lower vibration. It has they have not gone into the light yet for some reason. And the reasons differed depending on the soul. Some of them afraid to go into the light. Some of them don't know they're dead yet. I've passed over many children that are here not knowing that they're dead. You know, they've died hundreds of years ago and they're still looking for their parents. It's very, very sad. Um and what's interesting is the vibration of a ghost that's stuck here is the same as a human being. So, for instance, if I'm doing a missing person case or a murder case, I can't tell if they've, if they've passed on to the other side unless they tell me because their vibration is the same as a human being. And they can't move any faster than you and I because they have not gone into the light yet. Once you're into the light, you're moving at 300 million miles a second. When you're stuck here on earth, you're moving at the same speed as a human being. So to get around, they will literally get into your car and hitchhike. Okay, Deval Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with June Edward. Make sure you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know that's right, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Pay attention to a few friends of my show, and we will be right back. Hello, Duval Nation. Derek Duval here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek Duvall Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. 
To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. Hey, it's Michelle Fabre, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can hear my brand new single, I'm All That I Need, on all streaming platforms right now. This is Mariel Sanji, the author of The Absinthe Frappe from LSU Press. Have you ever wondered about the mysteries of absinthe? The spirit is packed with history, and in my book, I explore the myths and facts behind this elusive liquor. What is it about absinthe that appealed to artists like Vincent van Gogh? How did the absinthe frappe cocktail take the country by storm in the 19th century? Why was absinthe banned? And how were the restrictions on absinthe lifted? Dive into the world of absinthe in the absinthe frappe, available wherever you prefer to buy your books. This is Frankie Ray, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. My latest single, Over Now, is available on all streaming platforms. Hope you like it. everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 231 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with psychic medium, June Edward. How do you connect with spirits, and what is the process like for you when receiving messages or information from the other side? So I see them all over the place. And if I'm not working, they cannot converse with me. Occasionally, I might not be able to tell sometimes if they're a human being or a spirit for a moment because the vibration is the same. And if they catch me, 
seeing them and, you know, looking at them, then, you know, I can see them, you know, they can get a little upset sometimes because I let them know I'm not working. It's, it's more, it's telepathic basically. So we all have a pineal gland. And if your pineal gland is clear, it's like a radio receiver. And this is where you're getting telepathic messages from. Now, when I, <laughs> excuse me, when I'm bringing someone in from the other side, I literally have the person that's sitting with me that wants to talk to somebody, just call the person in their head. I don't need to hear it. All you have to do is think about somebody and that person shows up immediately. And then I just describe the person for them. And they either come through to me the way they looked prior to passing or the way they thought they looked in their, you know, when, when they were here, the way they thought they looked the best. So for instance, my mom passed at the age of 93. She can come through any way she wants. She comes through to me at the, about the age of 19 when she was a, a messenger girl in Chicago on roller skates. You know, she apparently loved that time and loved that job. And, you know, she comes through a lot in that manner. I don't know the people that are coming through for random people. So all I can do is describe them and give them the information that they're giving me. Some of them are very, very talkative. And when they are, I let them just talk through me because it's faster than trying to repeat what they're telling me. Other ones don't talk at all. <laughs> and it's like a charades game trying to get the message out of them, what it is they're trying to get across, or they'll say a few words. But I have a whole list of, you know, symbols that they've taught me on the other side that mean things. For instance, if if I brought through a man and he has a pocket protector, you know, for pens. That means he was either an engineer or he felt that he didn't fit in and was kind of a geek. So I would have to ask because I don't know him, you know, at all, um, whether or not maybe he was an engineer. Maybe that was the answer. What else? They might show me something that means nothing to me, like a white Cadillac. Then I'd have to ask the sitter again, what does that mean? Did they sell them? Did they drive one? Were they hit by one? Do you drive one? I don't know the message until I can find out more about what it is they're showing me. That'd be interesting to see what my dad would be wearing if he ever was to show up. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it's he, weird things. It's like sometimes, yeah. you know, if they'll come through with, um, yeah. with you know, a, a white dress shirt to show that they were a professional person or shined shoes to show me that the way they looked was very important to them, how other people saw them was very important, things like that. Hmm. Interesting. How do you handle skepticism? Uh, what advice do you have for those who might be skeptical about psychic abilities or mediumship? Well, I would um, I would hope that all people would start to have enough of an open mind to explore it for themselves. And I'm not out to change anybody's belief system or what they you know what they want to believe people are going to believe what they want to believe but i can tell you that if they start paying attention in life that they'll see miracles everywhere and maybe that will change their belief system because miracles happen all the time they happen everywhere and angels are real and they're always trying to give you signs that they're there put you on a path that you're supposed to be on give you messages but it's like anything else if you don't know you don't know what you don't know right <laughs> right so what ethical considerations do you keep in mind when providing readings or connecting with clients on a personal level so first of all, you know, the Long Island medium was a show. No ethical professional medium would walk around randomly giving people information. 
you know, I could give, give someone information that could totally change their life. And if they're not looking for that information, that's not ethical. I also don't discuss death as far as, you know, if I, if I am told someone's about to pass or things like that, unless they're asking me. Um, occasionally, I'll have someone ask me about someone else. You know, maybe they have an older parent and they're just trying to prepare themselves. I can give them time frames, things like that. That's about it. You know, I can only give them the information that they give me. I can't, you know, sometimes they're not supposed to know the answer. Sometimes you're not supposed to have the information. Not always the case, but sometimes it is. Fair enough. Fair enough. So are there any specific types of readings or situations when you feel your abilities are particularly strong or useful? Every situation any situation. I have attorneys and doctors that consult with me because they have things going on in their lives. Um, I have everyday people that have to make major decisions in their life and aren't sure which way they should go with certain things. So it really doesn't matter what the situation is. I can help anybody pretty much in any situation. There's a lot of times things are happening in your life and you don't know why they're happening. I had one woman come to me who had been married four times and every one of her husbands died. She met another gentleman that she was in love with and wanted to marry him, and she was afraid he'd die too. So we went back in her past life and her Akashic records to figure out why this was happening in her life now. I had another woman who couldn't sleep with her husband. She just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she had a 12-year-old daughter, didn't want him touching her. She had no idea why. We were able to go back in her past life and figure out the why, and it changed everything. In fact, for about over a year, her husband was sending me thank you cards in the mail. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, how do you balance being a relationship coach with being a medium? It's all connected. So what I do is I teach people how to get in touch with their soul and how to make their decisions from their soul. So in a human form, in this body, we all have a brain in our head, right? Mostly. And your brain is nothing more than a computer. It helps you process all the information that you get on a daily basis. But your brain has a specific purpose. Your brain's job is to protect you. And how does it do that? It does it by creating fear. So people go around making all their decisions based on fear. And when you do that, it's literally a crapshoot. It's a 50-50 crapshoot. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But you're always questioning yourself. When you learn how to make decisions from your soul, it's the right decision 100% of the time. So what I do is I teach people how to get in touch with their soul to make those decisions, how to raise their vibration. And what happens in relationship, because we're magnets and we're always repelling or always attracting or repelling, when you're in a relationship with someone, you're in that relationship because you're on the same energetic frequency. You've brought each other into your life on that frequency. And after a period of time, what happens is the energy builds up, the magnets flip, and instead of the two of you attracting, you're repelling each other. So the only way to stop that from happening is to balance your energy. So I teach how to balance your energy. And I only teach one person in the relationship because you're on the same frequency. When one person balances their energy, you both balance. And it only takes one person to make or break a relationship. 
And I don't let them make any decisions on that relationship as far as whether or not they should stay in it or whether or not they even want it until they're able to get in touch with their soul, raise their vibration and balance their energy. Then they know that they're making the right decision 100% of the time because it came from their soul. One of the talking points that interested me is what would be your take on the midlife crisis? So midlife crisis doesn't always happen in midlife, does it? Sometimes it happens younger. Sometimes it happens older. It's basically a time that we've written into our plan because we write this plan before we come here that we're going to actually start looking at the why that we're here. We're here for five soul lessons. Self-worth, trust and communication, unconditional love, money and balance, and patience. And when that midlife crisis kicks in, you start questioning the why. And the first lesson we all have to learn is self-worth. And that's the, usually the lesson that they don't, they haven't learned and they start learning. And everyone around them doesn't like it because, oh, look, he went out and bought this car. Oh, look, he quit his job. Well, you know, if you don't put yourself first, you won't be here for anybody else, will you? And no one else can make you happy but you. So it's usually a good thing. And it's usually the beginning of an awakening for people. You have authored four books. I'm going to read them off here so I won't screw this up. The Destiny <laughs> Card Journal, All's Fair in Love and Karma, Dancing with the Universe, and The Nights on the Other Side. What do you enjoy about writing so much? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting. When I write the books, it's almost like, you know, I'm a scattered mess. But I'm guided and I'm channeled into writing my books. So... You know, when I the only book that I had actually started to ever write on my own was the Ma Dancing with the Universe and Making of a Medium, which is my autobiography. And I had such a difficult, challenging life that I wanted to put it out there because, you know, if you've had challenges, if you think you've gone through something that's going to destroy you, trust me, it's in my book. I've probably gone through it already and I'm here. I've survived and it made me who I am and it made me a better person. Everything happens for a reason. And while I was writing that book, I kept hearing, you got to write the book. You got to write the book. And I'm like, I'm writing the book. And they're like, no, you have to write another book. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I like, you need to write a book for your students. Cause I was teaching psychic development and mediumship development at the time. So I'm like, listen, if you want me to write another book, you're going to have to help me because I'm taking care of my mom who's, passing away. I am teaching. I am writing this other book. So they literally uh, helped me channel that first book that I wrote. And um, A Night on the Other Side is literally everything that I taught in psychic development and mediumship development. And I wrote it and published it in six weeks. It's amazing. What has the reception to the books been like? Well, um, my latest book, All's Fair in Love and Calmer, is uh, an award-winning bestseller number one bestseller. So I guess it's been pretty good. Fair enough. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Well, a question that I really want to ask you, especially being such a well-renowned psychic medium, how do you maintain your own well-being and establish healthy boundaries when dealing with such intense and emotional energy? It's not intense and emotional for me. I'm channeling it through me. Um, the only time it gets 
emotional for me is if someone from the other side is standing too close to me. A lot of times they'll come through and if they're um, sad or crying or upset or something like that, and they're too close to me, I'm, I'll, I'll be feeling everything they're feeling. And I literally have to ask them to back up. Okay. Yeah. But I can separate. I separate. For those interested in developing their psychic abilities, what advice would you offer or practices would you recommend? Well, I think meditation is so important that I have the correct instructions in all of my books. And most people that do it don't do it properly and they don't protect themselves. Most people that teach it don't teach it properly. And that's very dangerous if you're not protecting yourself. You're opening yourself up to the universe, which includes good and evil. And I've seen a lot of evil come through and it's very harmful to people with a good heart because you're a target. The war that's going on in this world is good and evil and the prize is your soul. Don't ever forget that. Mm. That's how important you are. But my first book, A Night on the Other Side, again, is everything that I taught in psychic development and mediumship development. And it's a really good guide and a good place to start. And it's full of a lot of useful information that you can use almost as a handbook. Mm. What is one thing people don't realize about psychics? So there's a lot about psychics and everybody's been to a psychic, including myself that, oh, give me $5,000 and I can give a love potion or I can make this happen or that happen. So there's good and bad in every profession. Remember that there's good lawyers, there's bad lawyers, there's good doctors, there's bad doctors. So psychics that have been trained to do things like that, we used to call them gypsies and they are not mediums. You will never find a medium, a psychic medium, that's not working on your on your behalf for your highest and best, because the souls from the other side will not work with you if you are not pure of heart. Neither will the angels. So those types of psychics cannot bring someone through from you for the other side. Pierre sure. Coubertin said, "The most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle." June, you get a chance to talk to your younger self. What would you say to her? <laughs> I would say don't stress so much. Don't worry so much. Everything that's happening is not happening to you. It's happening for you. And something good comes out of everything. So what's next for June? More speaking engagements, more getting the word out, hopefully helping a lot more people. Okay. As we enter the final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question. June, what do you like to do for fun? How do you like to relax? I golf. I love to golf. What's your handicap? <laughs> uh, I think I'm down to a 16. I haven't been golfing a lot lately. 16? That's not bad. Yeah. No, it's not bad. Do you watch a lot of TV than... or do you just you just like to go out and play? So watching golf on TV to me is like watching paint peel. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I, I can't. I can watch the Masters, but that's about it. I, sure. I don't care to watch the rest. I just love to play the game. I'd play every day if I could. Right. What's the uh, best shot you've ever made? Oh, I've had two hole ones, but this is going back probably thirty-five years ago at least, and it was the same golf course and it was the same hole, and it happened to be along the ocean. It was in Warwick, Rhode Island. And really early in the morning, I used to golf with my girlfriend, and it was over trees, but downhill, and the wind would take it. 
<laughs> the wind would take it and twice it happened the same hole couldn't find the ball and sure enough when we got over that i think it was probably a par three or par four but if you hit it just right and the wind took it twice i got a hole in one in the same hole that's never since <laughs> that's amazing well congratulations that's amazing Thanks. june what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online go to my website juneedward.com and I post all of these wonderful podcasts that I do. There are links to all the social media accounts. I'm on everything except for TikTok. I will not go on that. There is a free webinar that people can sign up for and learn a little bit more about how energy works and see if you're interested in the relationship mastery program. Remember, it's not just you know, it's not just couples, couple relationships. Everything is a relationship. Business is a relationship. So it helps everyone learn how energy works and raise your vibration and have the law of attraction kick in. Uh, and there are links to all my books as well on the front page. All right. I feel with your profession, you might give a very profound answer to my favorite question, which happens to be the last question. And the question <laughs> is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth? Love each other. That's why we're here. Highest vibration there is love. All right. June, thanks for coming and taking the time to come on the show today. This has been very special for me. And I want to wish you nothing but the absolute best of success for the rest of your career. This is what you're doing is very, very special to a lot of people. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 231. I want to thank June for taking the time to come on the show. I learned a lot from her, and it opened my mind to all sorts of possibilities. Thanks again, June. That was a lot of fun. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. We drop our episodes on Mondays and Thursdays, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for those episodes to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have. So please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up today for new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, please drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the Amazing Tea Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there with everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tea Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, we'll say to each and every one of you listening... I am so happy John Stewart is back on the air. The Daily Show is back with his admiral at the helm, and the voice of reason is killing it. I haven't been so excited for Mondays in such a long time. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.